With the significance of the faith of Abel, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Abel, he did what God told him to do, how God told him to do it, by faith. And this is the only way a man can be born again. The only way your sins can be forgiven. The only way your life can be made right with God. You need to come God's way, doing what God says. Not a pastor, not a priest, not a religion, not a church. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. This is amazing grace. many ideas today about how to come to God, but Jesus made it clear there is one way. Still, some complain that there's only one way, rather than thank God there is a way and take it. It's an age-old problem, as we'll learn on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Last time, we began to consider why Abel's worship of God was accepted and Cain's was rejected. Here now with more is Pastor Ed in Hebrews 11. What's being brought out is that in these two men, in their attempt to worship God, Abel worshiped properly. More so, the Bible records that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent. Why? Because it was by faith. He believed God and believed God would reward him. He believed God in what he said and he obeyed God. The focus here is on faith and we're still hearing it today. We're learning about it today. Some of you are learning about Cain and Abel for the very first time in your whole life. Why? Because of Abel's faith. Abel's commitment to God. In their relationship with God, the brothers had a place to worship, a time for worship, in a prescribed way. It was handed down to them from their parents. They didn't have a Bible or a system that will come later. God will reveal the system in detail. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He'll reveal that later in detail, but they don't have that yet. And the first recorded act of worship is a sacrifice, a sin offering. So what exactly is the difference? What made Cain and Abel's sacrifices different from one another? Well, we see that they were different. One was grain and one was animal. A lot of people make, a lot of commentators make a big point of this. Like, well, you know, if if Cain would have brought an animal, maybe God would have accepted that. But we know later on that God not only accepts, but commands grain offerings and receives them. He's going to receive them later. So it wasn't so much what was brought as much as it was how it was brought. And you could say it this way. What was different between these two men was their heart. Because I want you to think about this for a second. If we were to play this out on the stage and you didn't know anything about the situation, and we just say, hey, we got a couple guests today, and instead of playing that video, we say, hey, we got Cain, a guy's named Cain and his brother Abel. They're going to show us how to, how to sacrifice today, and they play it out on this stage. Most of us are going to think they're doing the right thing. Hey, there's one brother. He's offering an animal. That's interesting. And hey, there's another brother. He's offering grain. And they both seem to be doing the same thing at the same time. The only difference is what they're offering. So it looks like that they're both worshiping God. 
But one thing we wouldn't be able to see (laughs) is their heart. Because from God's perspective, one brother was worshiping and the other was faking. One brother was sincere and offering a sacrifice by faith. The other one was insincere, or you could say hypocritical. Because you unfold this without Hebrews, you know, without the whole text, and we just stop and go, oh, look at they're worshiping God. That's what it looks like. It looks like to everyone watching that there's true worship. You know, the same thing happens today. I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't people in this room, maybe watching downstairs in the overflow or listening on. I'm not naive to think that there aren't a few listening to me right now that are just putting on a show for someone else. That you have all the appearances of worship. Your hands are up, you're sitting, you came early, you have a Bible, it's open on your phone, and you have the appearance, but because we don't know your heart, you look like everyone else. And really, we don't have ministry to search hearts. We, we aren't going to go around asking everyone, are you legit, are you sincere? Because we know that number one, the Holy Spirit of God is already talking to you and ministering to you. We know that. We're confident of that. But secondly, as much as you try, your behavior will betray you. Because behavior always comes from what you believe. And you can only put up an act for so long before you forget that it's not real. But even so, it's not even that important that you fake us out. You never fake God out. He watches it all. And in this episode, we don't even know how many times this happened. If there was fakery many more times before. But this was the time that everything went south. Hebrews tells us that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent because he gave God what he wanted, what he prescribed. Faith always makes our service to God more excellent. Because you can do a lot of good things without faith. You can give charitably, you can give gifts, you can help people across the street, you can be a good employee, not by faith. You can do all of those things because you want to be good. But it won't give you a good testimony. Like, you'll be known by all the good things you did, but the Bible says, according to verse 2, it's only by faith that you obtain a good testimony. And it was Abel being remembered in Hebrews, it was Abel being remembered for his testimony even after he dies because it was his faith. You see, Cain, his brother, believed in God. Like, like he believed there was a God. He even believed that, that God could be given sacrifices, but he didn't believe God. And there's a big difference. You can believe in God. You can believe in a God, but not believe God. And that makes all the difference in your world. False religion does the same exact thing. False teachings will bring you to a place of following a list, but never taking you to the God. Never taking you to the one true God. And you just stop at a list. You just stop in doing what you're told to do instead of intimacy, kind of like the discussions Adam and Eve had. Man, if you, you continue to go forward, you'll grow in your relationship with God. It is worth it. We know him in his most purest sense. It is worth it. So, you know, when Adam and Eve is sharing their testimony, it's going back to a time, and, and they're thinking, oh, man, that was such a beautiful time that the builder and maker of the garden was God himself and not, not me and your mom. But what we share today is, oh, not only was there a great time, but we weren't in the garden. But what are we sharing? What are we testifying to? That we're moving forward to a city that God has promised eternity. And his builder and maker is not man, but God. 
And he's ready as you move forward, living for eternity and not for today. Turn over to 1 John, would you? 1 John chapter 3, we have greater insight on the life of Cain here in John under the context of love. Cain, it says, was of the wicked one. As John contrasts two groups of people putting Cain in the last group. So pick up with me. 1 John is all the way almost toward the end of the Bible. 1 John chapter 3, pick up with me in verse 10. 1 John 3 verse 10. John is writing, he says, In this the children of God, that's one group, and the children of the devil, that's another group, are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Cain's eyes were on himself. He saw his brother's works and hated him for it. His brother was righteous and he was evil. And it was his jealousy and envy of his brother that led to disobedience, that led to anger, that led to his countenance falling. So many times, this is the first time in Genesis 4 that his countenance fell, which is really a phrase about discouragement and depression, is tied to anger. And so when I'm ministering to someone, and maybe you today, that is just captivated by a deep sense of discouragement and depression, one of the questions I always ask, and I'll ask you today, what are you so angry about? What has so angered you that you have internalized that and has no outlet, and it's made you very discouraged and very despondent, even to the place where you might call yourself depressed? You know, there is a sense where discouragement and depression is attached to pain and difficulty and sorrow and grief for sure. But as we see in Genesis 4, it can also be attached to anger. And anger and jealousy left unchecked will just grow. You don't just stay jealous at a little place. It grows and it grows and it grows to the point of rank disobedience. And in Cain's situation, he murdered his brother because of his own sinful actions. Like he was the one that was wrong and he took out his anger and his countenance, you know, being so discouraged, he took it out by killing his brother. Let me just say this, sibling rivalry is alive and well today. Not so much, and it usually doesn't lead to this level of anger and malice, but it's alive today. It's alive in our families. It's alive in the church body, brother against brother and sister against sister. It shouldn't be. And we look at Cain today and you're like, okay, okay, I'd get a little too close now. I know I don't get along with my sister, but I'd never murder her. Okay. You need to consider what Jesus said. Because when teaching us on the topic of murder, he says, oh, you know, you might think of Cain, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, you might think of murder as just physically taking the life of someone. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says, you have heard it said to those of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And with that definition of murder, that broadens the scope of how we treat one another when things don't go our way. 
Jude puts it this way. There's only one chapter, but in Jude chapter 1, verse 11, he says this. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run in the greedily error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. And Jude just puts Cain in this murderous thing with rebellion and using God for profit and taking advantage of people. Cain brings his offering with no faith. He brought the offering of his own sweat, just like the world around us, just like the culture that we're in, depending on their own works, their own sweat, their own efforts, their own religions, their own made-up gods. Self-made men, self-made women, great confidence, have no need for God. But Cain was a wicked, unbelieving, hypocritical man according to God's estimation. He didn't want to worship God, but only gave the appearance that he was worshiping and was offended by the true worship of his brother. So much so it sparked jealousy. To Cain, God was a receiver and that he could bring to God what he did. Look what I've done. But to Abel, God was a giver and he was bringing back to God by faith all that God had given to him. Abel obtaining a witness of righteousness and we're still talking about him to this day. He did what God told him to do, how God told him to do it, by faith. And this is the only way a man can be born again. The only way your sins can be forgiven. The only way your life can be made right with God. You need to come God's way, doing what God says. Not a pastor, not a priest, not a religion, not a church. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's man that's complicated the spiritual life that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And God is bringing us back to a simplicity through this whole chapter, week after week. I can't, I'm so excited in my own personal life to bring more simplicity in my life that I can respond to God by faith. I can respond to trouble by faith. I can respond to grief by faith. I can respond to difficulty by faith. That my life will be built up in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, fellowship family, it's impossible to claim to have faith but continue to disregard God's word. Or put it another way, it's impossible to claim to have real biblical faith and have a life that betrays the faith you say you have. This is what the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what does that profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And Cain came to God with a dead faith. And the warning for us is that he looked and probably felt very religious, very spiritual. But God knew the heart. And can I just say, church, a couple things before we go. It is always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. You can't fix a heart issue with more activity. It makes things worse. Faith always precedes obedience. It's not the other way around. You may think that obedience or just kind of doing things, the, well, I'm doing spiritual things, and, and so what, what does that mean? It means nothing because faith comes first. It's faith, then obedience. It's faith, then obedience. 
And then obedience builds faith, and it's a beautiful cycle of your spiritual growth and mine. It's important that we realize you can look spiritual and be distant from God. Why? Because it's a heart issue. And as I read recently, the issue, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart in your life and in mine. The self-righteous man hates the truth. That he can't save himself frustrates him. The self-righteous woman, because she can't buy her salvation, because she can't earn her salvation, because she can't get some recognition for her salvation, gets angrier and angrier to the point of murder. As one commentator put it, and I quote, not only was Cain's sacrifice of vegetables unacceptable, because rather than pointing to the Lamb of God, it spoke of his own effort, it was also unacceptable because unlike Abel, Cain did not offer his sacrifice by faith. And this realization would stab the Jewish heart, the audience of the first century, because the Jews took great pride in their ceremonies, traditions, and attempts at spirituality. And what was the condition in the first century? Jesus came to the leaders of the church, the Pharisees, and said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Outward appearance, empty inside. That was where the leaders of the Jewish religion at the time. Abel's remembered, even though he's dead today, being dead, he still speaks. The testimony that we all want to bring. One more thing before we go. I want to speak to parents because of our consideration of Adam and Eve and the dialogue and discussion they would have with their kids. Parents, grandparents, your kids watch you. They watch you closely. So much of parenting is caught and not taught. Many rely upon the teaching. Do this. Don't do that. Watch that. Watch out for that. And while that is important and good, kids learn by example. And might I add, kids learn by your example and my example. And I've raised three children into adulthood. And I haven't been a perfect parent. But I know early on God spoke to my heart and spoke to my wife's heart that I wasn't going to settle for raising good kids. A lot of parents settle for good kids, good kids. You're, so that when you're at a party, you say, how's your son doing? Oh, he's a good kid. Yeah, but does he walk with the Lord? He's a good kid. He's a good kid. She's a good kid. No, God's responsibility to the parent is not to raise good kids. God's responsibility to us. You have one responsibility, mom, and one responsibility, dad. That's it. There's not 10, not 1,000. You don't need to buy a million books on parenting. Here's your responsibility. Get your kids to Jesus Christ. Transfer the faith to your kids. They have a responsibility to follow. That's their responsibility. But if you just settle for good kids, you may not get godly kids. But if you shoot for godly kids... Good comes with godly. That's how it works. And we're so caught up in many other things. You think of your parenting kind of as like a, like a duty, an obligation. But like grace, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be a parent. It's a joy to be a parent, as challenging as it might be. Those little kids, they actually reflect a lot of their parents. Did you know that? Those little sinners running around your house. Because two sinners made them. They go, oh, you know, my kids and this and that. They're probably like a mirror, aren't they? They go, man, she's so much like you. Yeah. He's so much like, yes. Parents, listen, it's never too late to make a decision to be a godly parent. 
and to trust God with your kids. Because if you're happy and fulfilled with this life, and this is what you're into, and you got everything all packaged and ready in this world and this, and then you never talk about another world. You never long for another world. You never hope for another, you, like, you never hope for that city whose builder, you never hope to get out of here. You never hope to have redemption. You never hope to be reunited with your loved ones. You never hope to be in the presence of God. Then what do you think your kids are going to learn? You're so concerned about school and you're so concerned about being in this world and so concerned you know some parents says if we just if we just build go to the mountains and build a cave and I'll protect my kids from the world the world may not be your biggest enemy your house might be your kids don't see you up early in the morning with your bible open and I, I really think it should be the bible you know I know you have it on your ipad and everything but you also do everything's on your ipad so when your kids see you on the ipad they don't know what you're doing but there you are with a bible open communing with God, praying, maybe a tear coming down your cheek about the condition of the world and the condition of your heart. And, the, and your kids are safe. If your kids don't see you communing with God, where do you think they're going to learn it from? You've been listening to Abounding Grace and part of a study in Hebrews. Abounding Grace is easy to hear again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, our featured resource is on the subject of depression, and that's been on the rise in recent months in the pandemic. As you know, some suggest or believe Christians should not struggle with depression. Would you address that briefly? Yeah, Larry, depression is more common than I think the Christian world wants to admit. I recently just wrote a blog post on my website, edtaylor.org, and I titled the entry, Christian Depression is Real. And I believe it's important for us to acknowledge that deep seasons of discouragement, deep seasons of difficulty... Uh, just wanting to throw the towel in, throw in the towel and throw your hands up and say, I can't do it anymore, affect believers un as unbelievers alike. It, it is a real battle. And I think I said something in the article. I said, you know, call it whatever you want. If the word depression, because I know there's the idea of clinical depression in a diagnosis, but but we're not doctors. We're men and women that love God. Uh, and read the scriptures, and over and over and over again we read, even in the Psalms, why are you so downcast, my soul, the psalmist writes. And depression is real, and I want to give you the resources to help you navigate through a very difficult, confusing time. Again, call it what you will. I do believe Christians experience depression. I do believe it gets very serious. And I absolutely 100% believe that you need to get help and ask for help. That's the beginning of coming out of that deep pit. And this particular resource has personally helped me. Uh, as you well know, after the death of my son, Eddie, uh, it was, I was tossed to and fro in every which way you can think. And my typical melancholy type of personality was tapped by the sorrow and sadness and the grief and attacked by the enemy of our souls. And man, I, it was hard. It was difficult. And in this book, Depression, I read at least once a year. Uh, I want to stay encouraged in the Lord. 
I want, and, and it's really balanced. So it's, it's a balanced biblical approach to how to deal with this discouragement. Another, another resource real quick before we go that we didn't recommend, like it's not a pick of the month, but I'm recommending now is a little pamphlet entitled Depression by a friend of the ministry here, Margaret Ashmore. Very good, super short, very powerful. And I know you guys will uh, be encouraged. Please get it. It'll encourage your soul. So be sure to request Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. It's available today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for remembering us in your giving to the Lord. We are listener-supported. You can now order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please also remember it is your financial support that helps us do what we do here at Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.